Hello guys, welcome back to the OPD podcast with Joe and Austin. We have a returning special guest today in the form of big Tom Evans, here to talk about a very interesting subject topic. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself, Tom, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, and um, let us know what you want to talk about today. Okay, guys. So, uh, yeah, my name's Tom Evans. Um, you would find me on Instagram. It's at tom.evans.ifbb. Tom spelled T-H-O-M, uh, short for Thomas. Um, basically, what I do um, for a living is I would describe myself as a professional amateur bodybuilding. So, uh, working with Joe, actually, in 2018, um we did three four shows we went all the way to the ifbb world cup um and competed there um and we ended up in the uh the overall at the end uh so we won the um the 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 weight class for my uh which was their version of classic physique and we went into the the overall with the big boys, <laughs> where I was out muscled by about ten kg. Um, but that was that for me. That was sort of the uh, the end of the um, time with the IFBB, and I spent the last two years uh, basically preparing myself for this diet, this preparation to move into the the NPC, which is a uh, a slightly heavier classic physique. I get around 4.5 kilos more stage weight. So I had quite a decent amount of muscle that I needed to put on. And um, body weight went up pretty high. I had a very, very optimal uh, period. Uh, a lot of that was with you, Joe, wasn't it? As I believe. Um, and then, yeah, I began my prep, I think around August this year. And uh, so far, I'm, I'm waiting for a show <laughs> due to COVID. So still, still clinging on in there. So I think that, that drives the topic for today. We're starting to talk about some of the, uh, the strange, unusual, uh, emotional and psychological sort of uh, experiences uh, when, when you do prolong a diet and you get down into those lower body fat percentages um, and the sort of interesting behaviors that start to exhibit, um, the way you think about food, um, I guess the, the things that they're probably quite common and people just don't realize, um, that, you know, everybody's dealing with the same things really. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I thought it would be a cool thing for us to, uh, kind of get into today, especially as both of you guys have done, uh, the prolonged diets yourself and Austin in particular is a bit of a hero of mine just for being able to eat ice cubes uh, for the majority of its prep. Uh, Ephedrine and ice cubes. Dude, I have, I have lots of my own weird stuff. <laughs> I've done lots of weird stuff too, so I can relate to this. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. The, uh, the, 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 the first thing that I wanted to um, mention today was this um, uh, to just acknowledge that there are um, trigger foods um, that the general population, the bodybuilding population, um, everybody will um, come into contact with. And they're really, really common. They're processed combinations of fat and sugar, right? 
um, and they they light up the hypothalamus uh, like a drug. You're super sensitive to that when you're when you're dieting anyway. And for those people that have uh, wondered why they had a, a biscuit and then couldn't stop and ate the whole packet and felt guilt and shame, that's actually driven by you know your brain's response, um, and it's not greed and it's not willpower and it's it's none of the above. <laughs> the only way to avoid something like that happening is to not try to have just a small amount of a highly processed combination of fat and sugar. Right. So I wonder if you, if you guys have had something like that well, where I think, you've, you've binged basically. I think I'm, I'm quite lucky. I, I've never done that. Um, and I think I'm quite lucky in that sense. But I'll, I'll just say from experience, um, hyperpalatable foods that, that you mentioned, Tom, um, I've, I've found issue with people that have become maybe a little bit liberal. Li- Flexible dieting. Exactly. Liberal is the word I'm looking for. Within their macro tracking and saying, allowing a treat at this time and whatnot, which I think, um, you know, that, mindful eating practice and, and including foods that aren't necessarily nutrient certainly has utility but understand there's a risk in exactly as you've spoken about there where it began with i will track this jammy dodger to i've now eaten 60 of them and what i've done you know yeah and and you know the thing is is that um the the whole thing with like let's say free meals um, cause cheat meals tends to imply something that is maybe not digestion friendly. And I don't, I don't necessarily agree with destroying your GI, um, if you're serious about bodybuilding, um, just for an enjoyable meal. I think there are enjoyable meals out there that are digestion friendly. Um, but let's say that you, you have a free meal Well, that one, it shouldn't necessarily trigger you, um, and two, um, that's something for the off season really to facilitate the structure of prep because you know prep becomes increasingly restrictive by nature. Right. And I think that the the difficulty in dieting for me is not it's not necessarily the aspects of hunger, it's the the repetitive nature in a way there's sort of a mental fatigue of um okay i'm gonna get up at this time i'm gonna fast i'm gonna do fasted cardio at this time for this long then i'm gonna eat this particular meal then i'm gonna wait this amount of time then i'm gonna eat this particular meal and then i'm gonna train for this amount of time and then you know and it's that kind of like repetition for days and days and days on end that becomes fatiguing you reach a point of of burnout Um, and that's often why when that structure kind of disappears post-show or at the end of the diet period um, people don't know what to do and the the whole loss of structure can result in a really really strange uh, sort of set of eating patterns right I don't know what to eat. Um, I don't know what I should eat. I don't know what I want. I want everything. My stomach's full. My brain's telling me to eat. Um, You know, um, it's very, very difficult to negotiate 
um, kind of coming away from uh, a prolonged diet period where you've got your body fat down very low. Yeah, I like the um, I like the mention of free meals there because free meals are certainly something that I like to include with clients, but not for a reason to binge eat foods that are exactly as you said going to destroy your GI. It's an opportunity maybe for social interaction. It's an opportunity potentially just to take away from the routine exactly as you said of of prep, which is a, a fatigue driver that accumulates over time and within the off season we yeah. have the ability to get away from that. But it's not supposed to be an opportunity to eat as as much as you can of a food that you you're going to have some degree of intolerance to. You know, uh, and I, I tell you what, I tell you when free meals tend to come into play for me is when, to be honest with you, nothing really touches my weight. I weigh the same in the morning as I do in the evening. Um, I could swap out my chicken and rice for three plates of sushi rolls, and I'm, I'll wake up no heavier, no lighter. Like, it, I'd, almost, I'd almost have to force-feed myself um, or eat hyper-inflammatory foods to generate some form of weight gain and it wouldn't be productive weight gain, right? It would be inflammation. It would be water-based. Um, so, um, and, and that's something that happens in a diet when you, let's say you, you binge on the wrong foods. Um, you'll get a very different outcome to, let's say you go 3,000 calories over your plan, right? If you did that from, I don't know, oatmeal, bagels, and rice cakes, you'll have a pretty different outcome the next day to if you did that from uh, a large pizza and a Ben and Jerry's. Mm. Uh, visually, weight-wise, uh, digestion-wise, everything. So, And that'll take more days to recover from as well. So psychologically, it's, it's like it slows you down in your diet as well, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we were talking a little bit about, um, well, you asked me if I'd had some of those hyperpalatable food issues I, I personally haven't quite lucky with that I'm also somebody that as you mentioned with routine fatiguing you I'm somebody that quite anally relishes routine in that sense yeah yeah me too but what about what about right now let's say when it's in lockdown things like restaurants and and stuff like that are closed um and like for me personally, that makes it easier. Like mm -hmm. my routine here is just kind of locked in. It makes dieting easier. I don't have to almost negotiate with the real world. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't have to um, socialize and somehow try and make a, a meal in a restaurant work or mm -hmm. uh, anything like that. You know, so, of course, you know, when it's the off season, it, it works much easier, right? Um, but when you're in like a prolonged diet phase, um, it, it gets awkward and people don't understand, do they? You know, how could they and why should they? Um, but they don't understand, uh, why, <laughs> you know, especially when, uh, you follow like a refeed, um, and sort of heavy restriction protocol, they won't understand why you didn't eat a carbohydrate for seven days, um, refuse to have a enjoyable meal with them on Wednesday but now on Sunday you're putting in 
you know, 1200 grams of carbohydrates. <laughs> like, yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, why, if you were going to eat that, why couldn't you eat, you know, a small, um, reasonable meal with me on Wednesday? Right. Um, so, yeah, you had asked me about those hyperpalatable things. Um, Austin, have you, for some reason, Austin's mic is on mute. If he's, Oh, yeah, I was wondering, because I tried to say something a couple times. I'm like, no, these dickheads are just talking over. <laughs> I, just I guess I was to the toilet. Yeah, so so as far as like the the binge eating and the hyper palatability, yeah, for sure. So you get, you know, there's definitely some merit in making prep boring, you know, if you will. Um, you're certainly less susceptible to those things if your body's in homeostasis you're deep into off season you're eating in a surplus you know so so i would never ever diet somebody with a uh, aggressive diet and then a weekly cheat meal or cheat day because I think I think it's that that sets people up for binge eating disorder um, when it's not already sure. present. Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it sets them it sets them up. Well, you're already you, you you took something that they saw maybe productive in the prep, like they saw it as a uh, a refeed or or whatever they want to call it, but. And then it turns into, it carries over after prep, right? As a habitual thing. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is that these people, you know, unfortunately sometimes, re, you know, remaining or regaining homeostasis and fixing the hormones and all this stuff doesn't always correct the binge eating afterwards because they've, they've now turned it into an environmental and habitual situation where there's triggers. It's not even food so much because I, the people that I've dealt with, with um, these really bad binge eating that's carried over from a prep or fat loss phase, they'll binge on anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Like it, it can be chicken. It could be, uh, I even had one individual that she would, and she hasn't been my quiet client for some time. I think she's doing quite well now, but she would, um, we actually eliminated pretty much all palatability out of the diet and simplified it down. And uh, she would binge on raw potatoes, and, <laughs> you know, yeah, to the point where to the point where she couldn't even get out of the parking lot at the the supermarket without binging. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've so, lost I've lost days to uh, like a, a bad food decision early in the day, yeah. um, where my stomach's been too small to to deal with that. Um, and I have, I've not been able to eat or train or, or do anything for the, for the whole day. And in my case, there are two instances, I think, where um, I was introduced to these kind of negative food behaviors. Um, and I, I have to deal with them now when I diet. So the first time was I actually did, do you remember the Bill Phipps Body for Life diet? Yes. Um, right. So in my 20, uh, so you do three meal replacement shakes a day, mm-hmm. um, three meals, which is protein, a fistful size portion of a brown carbohydrate and fistful size portion of a, um, 
a green vegetable and then once a week you were allowed an off-plan meal um, and um, what I found with that was I adhered to it perfectly and the off-plan meal didn't really change every week I think I had a pizza right but this already introduced pizza then in my first competition prep where I was actually pushing harder I was on like 1500 calories a day I followed a similar strategy and what happened was the weekly cheat meal would get bigger as I got leaner mm. um, and my progress stalled out eventually so what was happening was that I was effectively wiping out six days of aggressive deficit and feeling shitty with a meal that made me feel deeply uncomfortable and shitty <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and just spent seven days miserable for a net weight loss of very little by the end of the prep. You know, it was fine for the first six weeks, and then not a lot changed in the in the six weeks following. So, um, yeah. that, that was quite a learning curve because I wasn't able to get the condition on stage for that first show that uh, I probably would have got with a coach uh, because. I didn't take on a coach until I think my fourth bodybuilding show or something like that. And I think that was, that was you actually, Joe. So yeah, you can, you can carry that over really well into gen pop too, because I run into this a lot where they want to make this compromise of eating less during the week so they can eat more in their yeah. free meals or on a weekend day or whatever it is. And it's have a date night. It's a really, it's a, it's like a very slippery slope, you yeah. know, it turns in, it's, I think socially, you know, socially, it's obviously a good thing. You can, you can make it work, but there has to be, there has to be some compromise one way or the other, because generally it'll turn into kind of that situation that we're talking about of, we're just basically a net loss of nothing. And all, not only that, but they're, you know, they're getting further away from baseline during the week and the weekends are getting worse and worse, right? The more aggressive that we get, the worse the weekends get. And it's just, you, you just border on that um, disordered eating type of thought. Cause that's all they're thinking about all week long. And yeah, that's really interesting because food obsession and food behaviors was something that I wanted to touch on. So maybe that's a good like segue. Um, because one of the things, well, there's two things that I notice in myself. So the first one is food becomes high value. And let's say uh, I went to a restaurant with my wife uh, in the off season and it's a shared food experience. She wants to try some stuff for my plate usually, try a bit of dessert. Um, she's really into sharing. And it's the off season. I've, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. We try a bit of this and a bit of that. Now, if we went to that restaurant a week after I finished a show, I want all of my food and all of my dessert. And I would even feel anxious um, that the only proposition might come up that she would ask to try some of my food mm. because I'd be aware that it wouldn't, go down well for me to say no right i'm gonna have to say yes but i really don't want to right you know what i mean like i really and yeah. it's probably two desserts that i've ordered you know uh post show <laughs> and 
and I want both of them. And you know, so that that's one thing for me is that food becomes, yeah. Do you sit there and do you sit there and look at look at her food, uh, hoping she might not finish it all? No. Um, what <laughs> what it would what it would be would be um, would be typical examples would be like I'll have my food in the in the fridge and that that's my food that's not for um that's not for her um she's not you know she it'd be her responsibility to make sure that she's got um her food uh ready and prepared and all that kind of stuff or i'll go to the shop and i'll buy specifically food for her that's not for me right but there's separation um so mine it really becomes mine and it's a really horrible trait I really hate it. Um, and then the the other, and this is just a funny one, hoarding behavior, right? Carbohydrates yeah. are high value to me because inevitably I get pretty low carb, um, although this diet hasn't been so bad. And I end up with so many carbs in the cupboard just in case of a refeed. So when I was working with Joe, for example, he was giving me typically a refeed um, two days in a row and five low days. And we do a sort of a higher carb refeed and then a sort of a moderate carb refeed. And I would anticipate that he was going to give me that. And let's say you would maybe make sure you've got a box of cereal in the cupboard, right? I'd buy four. Right. Just yeah. in case. Like, there's no way. And that food... Oh, you've said it before, food's always going to be there. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll tend to bulk buy <laughs> carbs and I, I don't know why. And I just store them all. And do you know what happens is in the off season, I eat my way through my carb cupboard. And by the time it's ready to, you know, diet again, do a mini kettle prep for a show, they've more or less, been, <laughs> they've more or less finished. They last me that long. Right. So, I had no yes. worries about quarantine. Um, we've, we've got so many bloody carbs in the cupboard. And no, worry, no worries about food shopping. There was no panic buying in this house because we're, we're, we're ready for six months of no groceries if we need to be. What a role you need, bro. That's that, that's that like, uh, I had this discussion the other day with somebody. Like the, it was actually about a refeed and it was this, like tracking um, obsession, you know, where they, where they would basically, um, they were going to have a refeed or they anticipated a refeed on a, a certain day. And they, they built this refeed in their plan and they changed it, you know, like 20 times before the day actually came right to, yeah. to, com to continue to make it better or satisfy cravings or fit in more volume within whatever the macro allotment was, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, and I've done this personally, I've done this because I would get to where most of my preps would be larger, larger refeeds and, and very low baseline calories. Cause that's just what I generally function well with. And, um, I'm not going to say function. Well, that's not a good word. I don't function well. That's what I progress well with. But, um, yeah, I would do the same thing. I would change that refeed four, five, six, seven, ten times during, whatever period that way the next refeed comes and I have the most perfect food selection picked out or whatever, and, you know, and it's not even like, 
it's not like it's uh, garbage foods. I'm not going out and getting cake and cookies and stuff. It's just normal stuff. It's just stuff that I haven't been able to eat, you know? So have um, you, um, have you planned out your off season, um, diet plan, um, while prepping? This is something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Dude, I've done everything, everything you're talking about more or less. Here's the difference between me and a lot of people though, is I have a lot of experience. So I, I know what I'm experiencing you know um but that's that's the point of talking about it today isn't it it's to kind of generate awareness it's it's and and, you know even with awareness i think that there's always going to be some level of discomfort when you get to a certain position like i can i i i was fully aware every refeed every refeed and prep i'm fully aware that i'm going to enjoy that meal but i'm going to be really uncomfortable on those days because i'm going to want to binge eat yeah, I've um, uh-huh. I've actually gone with um, uh, l- l- low carbs at this point because I'm trying to continue to progress my diet moderately with fairly high carbs. Every single meal triggers my appetite, mm-hmm. whereas protein fat or protein veg kills Don't. my appetite. Right. It's, so it's I can something eat half I think- calories and be right you know satisfied i think i think like i said though there's like a level of there has to be a level of acceptance that at some people at certain points especially in contest prep are going to be very uncomfortable but i you know i do things with clients to try to try to reduce that you know things like making sure the refeeds are planned or sometimes doing less of a deficit with the lower refeed type of thing you know what i mean so um yeah, I mean, there's things you can definitely implement in there, food selection, palatability, all that stuff. But there's, I think, awareness and just realizing that, realizing that it's temporary, right? Um, it is temporary, that discomfort is temporary. And, and uh, that's another thing that we can look at in terms of recovery from deficit phases, whether it be contest prep or even gen pop fat loss or anything like that is I, I know if, even if I see a client's lab work, you know, thyroid function, you know, hormonal access, like everything looks good and their body's accepting food. But if their hunger cues aren't back to normal, like they can't get through a day without just constantly obsessing, they're not ready to go back to a deficit again. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, I think actually for me, an important way of framing it just just for the mindset is when I enter into a, a contest preparation diet, I don't see that as a diet that ends when the show finishes or the competition season finishes. I'll add six months on six months onto that. Six months yeah, yeah, bef- before I return to normal psychologically and emotionally, food behaviors wise. Um so, yeah. I mean, what I tend to be is very, very structured for a long period after a contest prep, um, almost as as Joe was saying earlier, so, so almost to like an OCD degree. Um, when probably it would be healthier for me to um, allow myself earlier on. Um, in you know because uh, I'm so used to such a rigid structure so I've increased the calories I might even be in a surplus Um, but there's 
I'm not rotating protein sources. I'll, I'll literally eat a fixed meal plan, um, which is probably unnecessary. And yeah, you know, like um, this is just something that I notice. Um, but it takes me a long time to be like, okay, yeah, like I'm going to have to take a steak meal instead of a chicken meal tonight. Mm. You know, just something as simple as that. I'm going to eat cream of rice instead of oatmeal today. Right. But, but I don't think that that's bad for everyone. I think there's a certain type of individual that that works well for, especially if you're susceptible to any of those, you know, disordered patterns or thoughts that we talk absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but the, the point is that there's a time frame. Yeah. It's like you, uh, you might expect with your first competition prep or extreme diet that when you've reached your goal, <laughs> you will you will feel normal about food again yeah i think this but, is, but, you know, but you know there's there's because that's what's pushed online that's what's pushed on social media right so you uh, the fucking cheat meals as well right man. well you burger fries burger like, fries refeed you've competed you know completed your goal you need to relax it's healthy to relax and i'm like okay sure that is right i agree with that but is that relaxation going to lead to a worsening in your already, you know, unbalanced hormonal and access and your hunger signaling and all this stuff? It's like, yeah, you can relax. It's, it's the same reason. It's the same reason I'm not going to tell you to go on a, you know, all-inclusive cruise with free buffet right. right after or even anywhere close to a contest. That's just it's asinine that sure it might work for a, like a large male bodybuilder or someone with a fast metabolism might be perfectly fine but there's no way you know, there's no way i'm sending 75 to 90 percent of the females that i work with there's no way that i would ever suggest that they do that after a show no way yeah. is a disaster and i think this it's is fucking, yeah not stupid nightmare the problem with the yeah. social media hard lines that you'll see here I am eating as many burgers as possible as my refeed. Here, uh, no one should be on a meal plan because it doesn't teach the client anything. You know, it, these rigid rules in real life coaching don't exist. You know, no. I mean, everybody's going to. Um, there's going to be two aspects to it, isn't there? It's like, what will the body respond to most optimally? which Austin describes as his diet strategy, right? Mm. And there's right. also <laughs> what the body will respond to um, from a psychological, sustainable perspective. Okay, so if you give a, diet, a client a diet that's restrictive through the week and then they have some form of refeed and they're unable to control that refeed or that free meal and it always turns into a binge, then that's not a sustainable strategy for them. They're better off maybe with a more sustainable daily deficit, no refeeds, and perhaps a occasional diet break where they, you know, they hold up maintenance and you know you diet them for longer. Everybody's going to be a little bit different in in that regard. Um, I can't break a promise to myself and have it stay at one broken promise. So if I wrote my meal plan for the day, and you know I do things quite intuitively, Joe, so I'll look at my, my weight in the, in the morning, and I'll look at my physique in the morning, and I'll look at my blood sugar and how I'm feeling, my biofeedback and everything, and I'll, I'll make adjustments to my base 
foods. Um, but um, if I if I then deviate from that in any small way um, at some point in the day, that can that can turn quite destructive. Right. So for you, you almost take a. I've I've ruined it now. It's it's not it's it's not even it's not even conscious thought it like it almost operates on a on a subconscious level my goal my short term goal shifts from um today is going to be a day where i successfully lose body fat to today is going to be a day where i uh refeed and replenish mm-hmm. um and the the problem with that is i hadn't haven't plan that I haven't outlined that I haven't weighed and measured that right. um, there's no there's no tracking that um, and it will inevitably be more than is necessary mm, I got you right so um, yeah you know like these are just specific behaviors to me I suppose um, right. well, one well, thing you mentioned is. you mentioned female clients is that because they're unable to um, eat so much food. <laughs> well, <laughs> Essentially, I think, they can't generate such a large deficit in a single day as well, a large it's, male. It's, it's just because I, I think the the behaviors they exhibit are probably pretty similar. It's just that you're going to you're going to have a lot worse ramifications from a smaller female doing it than a larger male, right? Just because yeah. not only from it's not only from the the standpoint of creating the deficit, but also just the the actual physiology of a female. The hormone hormones of a female are, are a lot harder to recover, even in a perfect situation, than that of a male. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so you just, I, I would say that most of I see the behaviors in both males and females. It's just it tends to get worse in females. Um, it lasts for longer. It's harder to fix. It's just, and then also we also will start to run into um, it's stemming off into body image disorders, you know, because now they've, they've overeaten, they've developed this binging habit post-show. Now they want to, what do they want to do? They want to lose body fat, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Cycle because now, and, right. and now they're unhappy with, right? yeah. not ready. It, it's a lot easier for me to tell a, a male, Hey, yeah, you gained a little bit more fat because you fucked up, but we can fix it. Right. But for a female, they're like, no, no, no. Like I'm not, they're not okay with that. I'm not saying that's all of them. Like I have some that wouldn't care, but, um, but for the vast majority of them, they're just not, they're just not okay with that. So it's just so much harder to fix. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I, I guess the, I mean, I know males are capable of gaining a very significant amount of weight post show in a very short period of time. Right. Um, but I'd tell you the, one of the, um, uh, kind of behaviors that I, uh, sorry. That's one doorbell when you have West Island white areas. So, um, yeah. One of the things that I really, really hate is, the food behaviors are not taken care of and it's post-show and the male tries to blast his way through 
Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> maintain body That's composition. Always yeah. That's always the answer. Just, the, uh, just four, uh, grams of, four grams of gear to keep up with the fact that you're it. in a 2,000 calorie it. surplus a day. It's always, here's the thing though, is it's always going to come back to you somewhere, right? So you, sure, okay, you have these food behaviors post-show, um, you introduce more androgens, you have a great super compensation effect. Um, it kind of, kind of uh, band-aids that temporarily, whatever. But those food behaviors are still there once you're, you know, once you come back down to whatever, you know, TRT or cruise or whatever you're doing or off if that person comes off, which is going to be even worse. And <laughs> all they're going to do, they're just going to get the ramifications of it later, right? Mm. Um, well, people joke about it. I don't know, Austin, you've reached a point where um, food is essentially something that you don't want and well yeah it's so there's the if you, if you if you if you blast it until then, then uh, <laughs> i'd be all right it's uh <laughs> that's an interesting yeah. that's an interesting thing too because joe and i have talked about it several times like how um how extremely how extremely intelligent your body is at trying to maintain homeostasis and how it can throw those hunger signals at you right like this yeah. feeling of um, like this feeling of people that, you know, people get where they've literally just eaten a meal and their, their stomach is full, but their brain is still hungry. Right. And yeah. I mean, I've had, um, poor digesting meals. So, um, like in the past, the trigger food being pizza, right? So I've eaten beyond my stomach capacity to the point where I'm in physical pain and you're still hungry. Then there's still pizza left, and I'll fall into a carb coma, um, and I'll wake up and my stomach is still full, and I'll I'll I would reach for you know to get another slice of pizza in almost. Mm. Um, right. Luckily, these things like I don't I don't do like this anymore now. You know, as you say, you have the experience, but um, it's insane to feel painfully full. And still be driven and compelled to eat more, right? And that's where that's where like that whole idea of that whole idea of slow reverse dieting is, I think, really um, a lot of people turn away from that. I think it does work in some people, but in other people, you know, there's some of those crowds that they're totally against it, and everyone, you should never do it. Get back to, you know, get back to homeostasis as quick as possible and there's i mean there's definitely merit in that for those types of people and the way that i always explain it is like let's say that you know because generally if they if this behavior starts post-show i try to catch it as quick as possible and then if i tell them you know i they they initially want to keep their calories down to compensate for this behavior but the problem is those that baseline calorie doesn't mean shit when you're overeating it by four times yes. every night, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and just artificially. And I did this intentionally with someone not too long ago where I artificially pushed their calories up way up past what I thought they, what I thought their baseline even was um, what I normally would have done. And then as soon as everything started to balance out, I actually pulled it down to a very small surplus and then they 
they of course they they gained a little bit of body fat which i expected but it was it was actually pretty minimal compared to what probably would have happened had i let that food behavior just continue to progress yeah and you know when you're picking whole food non-processed digestible food sources it's it's hard to eat a significant surplus for a consistent period of time sure yeah it can be for sure i mean you know uh whereas if every day i throw in a mcdonald's i could definitely achieve a five thousand calorie surplus a day for a very lengthy period of time this is this is how people become super obese right yeah incredible yeah. an incredible feat in and of itself of how powerful that signaling in the brain from hyperpalatable foods is they can essentially you will eat it until it kills you if you um if you pick up a book called the hungry brain there's an interesting little test that he does and uh, he goes for a 20 kilometer bike ride fasted and then he goes into a lab where they monitor his hypothalamus and they show him pictures they show him pictures of cars they show him lots of different pictures to kind of establish a baseline response of his hypothalamus to different stimulus and they show him pictures of whole foods and then they show him a picture of a chocolate brownie and his hypothalamus goes mental mm-hmm. so he wasn't stimulated at all by a picture of an apple no more than a picture of a car but then they show him something with which he's got an emotional or prior emotional connection right because that's the only reason the brain would would respond that way is because it knows what that food is it recognizes it visually and it anticipates and the reaction was similar to taking a hit of cocaine mm. um can yeah. you imagine how hard it is to walk away from that chocolate brownie if it's in real life you can't well you won't most people won't that's the thing it's like it's, they wouldn't even understand why they can't right it's a it's like almost complete and i and i know this feeling anyone that's ex- listened that's experienced it they know exactly what that feeling is and they know when it's happening and they can't stop it mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. it's it's one of the most incredible yet helpless feelings that you could probably experience outside of being under the influence of some kind of drug i'm sure but um eh, how do you get away from it i mean you almost have to (laughs) funny enough like i've even thought about doing things luckily i've established enough enough um i don't know if you want to call it willpower i guess i don't know if that's the right word for it to get through those situations but i've thought about doing things like locking foods up on a timed lock so they wouldn't even unlock till the daytime well, you, and, live, you live you live in in the, the forest of something like this uh, other people have access to food just around the corner or via an app where they deliver it oh <laughs> uh, see yeah see i don't have any of that and i would never think of doing any of that either that's the thing is i um generally almost all of the urges and things that i've experienced have been either middle of the night or on a uh, nighttime before bed. I've never actually had any issues with during the day, um, generally because I'm very occupied, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, just I've even considered going to those types of extremes to 
to make it easier on myself. So I literally, so when I was feeling those things, I didn't have to try to walk away. Like I physically could not get to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had a, uh, a mantra, um, through, I remember. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a, uh, a mantra, which is, uh, big boys with big goals. Don't eat that. Um, and whenever I would walk past something which had a emotional, um, resonance with me as they, they just opened Domino's pizza over here, um, a short while ago. And this was always my weekly cheat six years of competitions right um so of course now i'm walking past this every day and it's like a little mini trigger so i have to even in the off seasons big boys with big goals don't eat that and um you know on and practice on and of course it's not been 100 percent um effective but um the uh uh, the other thing that I found for for, for me is that um, there'll be a day where I'll wake up and those, let's say, this background thoughts like pizza, ice cream, pizza, ice cream, pizza, ice cream, is just there and it's dominating my thoughts um and you'd be fighting it and fighting it and fighting it up until the point of acceptance and you give in um and what i tend to do now is if i wake up and it's one of those days a high appetite day or something i caffeinate and exercise <laughs> because the stress kills the appetite um and that can usually see me through the day and then i look at um aggressive PNS activation because I've also noticed that when I'm uh, autonomic uh, dominating like uh, so very, very ANS driven later in the day my decision making is very poor mm. so that's when I would be like walking past a grocery store and suddenly get super excited and almost do like a super do you remember supermarket sweep Joe Yes, it's like it was like a TV show where you had five minutes to fill your soup, your, your shopping basket, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You, and you got everything for free, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, I've I've walked home, you know, kind of mid mid competition diet. Um, I've trained late, had pre pre workout. I'm still switched on, and I go past the store thinking I don't know what I'm going to think to pick up, but I've got absolutely no idea what I want. I just rush around filling the basket with crap, uh, you know, and, and I couldn't even possibly eat it. It was a haul of uh, Netflix and chill food. <laughs> um, absolutely insane. So I did some, these are things, these are some things I never really talked about. Some of those, some of those, <laughs> yeah. some of those urges, some of the stuff that I've done to actually, occupy myself like i find myself half asleep or like almost out my door walk down the street one night i actually stomped on my foot so hard that it hurt so bad that it took my mind off of it Damn. and and i was just i was just like hobbling around in the house trying to make this pain go away and i eventually 
like drug myself back up to the bed and and uh, <laughs> figured it out. I used to play. I used to play like I Spy with myself around the kitchen, around the house, yeah. and find things of like different colors and just anything. Like it's it's an incredible and and obviously like none of these things are healthy behaviors, but that was the oh. only way that I could really get through those last you know that last month or yeah, yeah. whatever amount of time. Um, and I've always the thing is I've always returned to normal. You know I've always returned to healthy. Um, healthy, normal hunger signaling and, and food habits and stuff in the off season. And, I, and I've gotten better and better and better as the years have gone on. Yeah. That's also because I allow myself adequate time, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I know that you, uh, you, do all those you things. Build, build up your food relatively slowly uh, for, 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 for a very long period of time. I don't know how long it would take you before you would be, at maintenance me personally i tried I to, I tried to get to maintenance relatively quickly with the caveat that um my stomach's smaller and my um digestion let's say digestive enzymes digest, everything's a bit down regulated and right. so there's a certain amount of time before i can process the food volume of maintenance calories but that's right. not it's a week or, it's probably a week or two you know, talking about talking about rice and chicken and you know real basic foods. It's not too bad. Right. I found that I've actually started to build up quicker and quicker over the years uh, than I used to, and simply because I always seem to, I always do better when I'm eating more because obviously my body it's just less systemic stress on my body. Like, yeah. I'm not constantly thinking about food. Just that act of just that act of that, you know, imbalanced hunger signaling where you're always thinking about food, that's cortisol, right? You're just dumping it yeah. all fucking day long because you're just, you're just, it's anxiety, right? So um, anytime I can get back to homeostasis quicker and I feel more at peace, my body functions yeah. better, right? Because now I'm, I'm less sympathetically driven, so the food's going to digest better anyhow. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I got my gun gotten better over the years but man those those contest prep extremes it's like that every time yeah. it doesn't even matter how many times i've done it but it, it's always it, it sounds like you've learned in a way also to to reduce stresses and and to you know uh prioritize things like sleep and relaxation as as kind of part of your recovery process right. uh, so i'm quite excited tonight i've um I've just sort of got into the period where um, my sleep quality, which is normally very good, has started to slide. Like my body will wake me up earlier in the morning. Right. Um, I'll be waking up in the night. Um, and for me, one of the big kind of like points of the day is that you get to bed um, successfully right you've completed the day you've ticked your boxes you've got to bed right because that that risk period for me like like you tends to be in the evening um and uh i just picked up some liposomal melatonin so i'm quite excited tonight to sort of anticipate um you know a good night's sleep on the back of that i'm hoping it's gonna it's gonna help but ultimately i know that the main reason is that, that my cortisol um, is high. My HRV is quite poor. 
Um, and the the only way to come back out of that is to, um, you know, come up, come out of the diet, right? And sure. um, I'm not going to be doing that for another probably three weeks, four weeks, because um, I've at least booked a photo shoot and some video filming and everything in lieu of the, the show dates that I should have done. Um, and then we should get the, the 2021 calendar because, you know, so much went into me preparing for this pro card attempt and I did so much work already. You know, I didn't, I didn't get news two weeks into prep that these shows were canceled. You know, this is like, you know, nine, 10 weeks in where the bulk of the work is done and I don't really want to give it up. <laughs> you know, I want to kind of stay within touching distance um, because my other option would be to kind of go back into like a, uh, maybe a more of an improvement phase, more prolonged improvement phase, accept some body fat gain and everything, but then commence to full preparation again, which I'm not mentally ready for. So I would have to wait until later in 2021. And I also don't want to do that. So I want to compete in spring. So my reasons for competing, continuing to diet are pretty strong. Um, so I accept this, kind of like the side effects as you say the um the difficulties um the poor sleep and and such like but it's really it is hard to manage the parasympathetic sympathetic aspects this deep into a diet right but like that's that's again i think that comes down to i think that comes down to accepting that there's going to be a significant degree of unbalance in a lot of areas when you get to that point. Yeah. And, 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 and for me, it's always easier. I've accepted it long ago. So it, I don't fight it. I'm like, okay, you know, here it is. Let's yeah. handle it. Like, thing. Negotiate, like, negotiation with, with, right. with, with dieting, like mental negotiation is just another stressor. Yeah. Once you've, once you've kind of gotten rid of that negative connotation and you realize it's just part of the, you know, part of where you're at at that moment, I think it makes it, it's a lot easier to, uh, to navigate through it, you know? So it's hard. It's all hard either way. I think there's just, I think it's just a matter of, it's almost the, the things that probably matter even more so than during the time or the setup the habits you form prior to starting, and then also what you do after you're done. You know what I mean? I think those those things are probably as important, if not more important, than, than during you know during when it's when it's occurring. Because again, like I said, I think statistically you'd find that most of the issues come post show, right? Because you just we have that imbalance already there. Plus you have that, you know, you have all those people telling you to relax and then you reintroduce food, uh, right? Your, your reason why has been removed as well. Right. So all, all of those drivers that Joe mentioned of um, all of those clever ways that your body wants to get back to homeostasis and it's body weight fixed point, it's body fat fixed point and whatever. Right. Um, it, there's no, almost no reason to, to fight those anymore. Yeah. You know, plus you're exhausted from fighting them anyway. So you capitulate, you know. Yeah, it's and, easy. Um, <laughs> that inner dialogue, you lose that the battle with that inner dialogue there for sure. 
Yeah, and that's why it's important to have a, a structure or a coach providing a structure to kind of like maintain some form of adherence. You know, for me, it was simply a case of remembering that I'm dieting out of choice um, yeah. at the moment, um, that it's still in line with my long-term goals, regardless of whether I'm going to be on stage in four or five weeks. And just throwing in, you know, a photo shoot and uh, and some filming and stuff so that actually there's that little bit of accountability that I don't want to embarrass myself. Yeah. You, I like the, uh, I, I think too, and this isn't, this can be a plug for coaching if you want, I guess, but I, I definitely think if you're, you should work with someone during that period, but not only that, you should work with someone that understands the needs of different bodies, right? Different people and what their needs are mentally and also physiologically. Like, like we talked about, we, we already talked through a different, a few different scenarios of recovery for different people. Right. So um, you can't just, you know, Mary Jo doing her first show in bikini that, was exposed to super low calories and all this stuff like you can't treat her the same as super heavyweight bodybuilder that if he benches for show he's gonna get bigger. Like it's not the same. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon Juan Morel eats post show? <laughs> like, what do you think Juan Morel eats post show? Yeah, like <laughs> he, he only eats one queen meal a day anyway, I think. During all he does is yeah, all he does is reduce his uh Reduces McDonald's intake during prep probably a little bit. He's good. Yeah. No. No. He. T- I, be- I believe on his YouTube channel he says his body gets uh, ramped up, so he has to have more cheat meals during prep. Yeah. It's. it's yeah. It's completely absurd. It would be annoying though at a point like the uh, the off season would be pretty annoying. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the the thing, the reason why I mentioned him is because there's a lot of social media, YouTube um, content, shall we say, that's not the most amazing thing to be looking at when you're dieting. A, a good majority uh, of it. Definitely, I definitely don't want to watch Juan Morel doing a full day of eating when I'm dieting. I don't want to watch food challenge videos. Um, I don't want to... See Reagan Grimes go for a back workout and then two double cheeseburgers and a double fries or something like that, you know, because it gives me the idea that this is uh, this is the correct way or this is permissible. When uh, what I need to acknowledge is that those are not my genetics and that is not going to work for me. Yeah, because you don't. The thing is, you see it getting glorified by that by the upper 5% of people that do actually eat like that and get lean. But you tell what, who's going to want to hear you and I talk about fucking starving during prep? Like that's not going to get me YouTube views. Nobody cares. You know, uh, (laughs) sorry, uh, James Hollingshead was saying, you know, for, he basically didn't take a a cheat meal um, for, for this entire season. Um, and he always had in the past um and he's been able to go from you know maybe a a second tier bodybuilding pro to you you could argue a top tier pro right he's won two pro shows so even these guys with these 
pro-level genetics, if they're being permissive with themselves with their diets, you could still ask yourself, well, what if they weren't? Right. You know, what's, be what's achievable? Yeah. They could be better. Could you imagine... Could you imagine the conditioning some of those guys could achieve if they did what the average person did? Could you imagine, like, with that muscle density that they have? Oh my! Or, or a guy like Cliff Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I know Cliff personally. Cliff doesn't eat that much when it gets down to you know what I mean. Like, it's not. It's. Could you imagine? Yeah, take somebody, take somebody that gets in that kind of shape, but add a hundred pounds of muscle to them, what they look like. Oh my. I know it's it's interesting having been based in intelligent strength, which is kind of like a, a real mecca for natural bodybuilding. Um, the owner cannot fathom, he cannot fathom how enhanced bodybuilders don't turn up on stage in better condition than natural bodybuilders. Or at least as good. I mean, damn. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a, a minimum, right? <laughs> I think right. you die. I think you die at three percent body fat. So let's call that the, the baseline of, of what good looks like. Right. Yeah. So it's well, and there's there's reasons for that too. I'm sure, like the, the idea that they're gonna what <laughs> don't want to lose all their muscle. They think they have to weigh a certain you know weight on stage or whatever. That's why people yeah, don't judging, realize judging criteria maybe and so on, but. Yeah. You know, purely from a, a conditioning standpoint, um, the enhanced bodybuilders should be capable of sure. getting there less painfully. You would, you, you would think, but yeah, yeah, but but, uh, but yeah, that's a that's kind of a different discussion. It's, uh, but yeah, they, you're right the uh, social media and what you see online is it's kind of the complete opposite or is really, it's not really the correct message for a lot of people in terms of what they really need to be doing. Um, <laughs> show or during content. Prep. I once watched Brian Shaw's um, strongman competition <laughs> diet. And yeah. I, I use, I use that to, to prepare my off season meal plan which I, I think I ate it for about a week post post contest um, bef before I gave up on it. <laughs> Volume wise wasn't possible. <laughs> I might be able to eat it. I don't know, man. I was starting the day with 10 whole eggs, <laughs> yeah. 150 grams of smoked salmon and 200 grams of rye bread. That was just meal one. I was um, drinking all my eggs recently. Oh, no. Raw. I was doing raw whole eggs raw. No, no, no. That's just yeah. wrong. Man. That's just uh, what's that? That's that's just wrong, Austin. Drink, drink. <laughs> you not why wouldn't you just, Why wouldn't you just? Why wouldn't you just drink a pot of melted Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> See, that was that was the problem though. Too much, too much flavor made me sick. Anything that was palatable, I would say, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. get that. I get that with drinks in the off season. Like I can't do all these pre, intro, and post. Right. Too much. Like, I, I have to just stick to whole foods, and like maybe I can do like a pre workout or a post workout, but that's about it. Yeah, everything right. else is whole foods for me. Otherwise, I just yeah, I can't palate it. I'm in heaven right now. I'm I'm in a clean up phase, and I'm just like, 
oh, that's they're the sweetest, right? Health focused phases. I'm just you hung- how good you're supposed to feel. Yeah, I mean, I'm hungry, and uh, my body weight's about 10 ish pounds heavier than the last time I did it. So I know, and I look better, so I know I made progress. So it's like, yeah, this is all right. Nice, man. Yeah, so I can deal with this, but it'll be back to uh, back to misery again before too long. I'm sure I'm going to do it again because I don't even know when the shows are going to be. So I might as well just keep going. Get see how see how heavy I can get. get well, big. Get it over and done with while you're still young, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't take it. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do these. I have no desire to eat over 7,000 some calories when I'm, you know, 40 plus years old, like, nah, no thanks. Yeah. And you need to look at the British, the typical British diet. I think you're doing things wrong. Meat pies, fish and chips. Like the British know how to gain weight. Yeah. It's still conscious. You're talking to an American. Well, you're talking to, you're talking to the fattest country in the world here. (laughs) We've got, We've got that shit. And that's the thing is it wouldn't matter. The problem was the food was so high that I was, if I messed up my GI, I was screwed for the whole rest of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, if I were to do any free meals, cause I really didn't do a lot because they just slowed my GI down, but I would do them in the last meal of the day, you know? So yeah, it was yeah, sure. sleep. Like I would do, I would do McDonald's sometimes. I would do like 40 piece nugget with a large fry and like a, and the extra large fruit punch that probably has like 200 grams of sugar in it. Fruit punch. I don't think they do that. McDonald's. It's just a, yeah, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, I don't even know what you call it. It's just like a Kool-Aid drink. You know what Kool-Aid is? Um, It's like drink powders. You you buy the, 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 the powder and you, you you add water to it i think the um i remember jay, Cut- jay cutler used to use sugar-free orange tang in his mm-hmm. yeah and that was so we, we don't we don't really have anything like that no so almost like a powerade dextrose we have uh it's so it's funny because i had a client i had a client come over from england one time okay and we went to we went to our grocery store, supermarket, one of the most like common chains that we have here. And she was getting food and she was looking at everything. And she was just amazed by the selection. Just like, you know, like go down the cereal aisle and there's just 9,000 types of cereal. Like it's, <laughs> I've been in a grocery, I, well, I've, I've been to England. So I've seen what, it, you know, we went to Aldi's. So I don't know if there's probably bigger, stores than that um but sainsbury's is the one one you want to go to in my in my opinion for overall variety of uh bodybuilding food sources in the general grocery store Mm, yeah well maybe i'll come back maybe they have the best bakery section joe maybe i'll come back when uh i'm 300 Five pounds, three hundred and ten pounds. Take him, take him to Greg's Joe. Get, 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 get five of those fucking sausage rolls and a steak bake down him. Mm. Do you it'll be, it'll be ten pounds heavier overnight. Greg is a classic man. The uh, the cheese and bean melt. That was a good one. If you don't burn your mouth, Austin, those sausage rolls are so processed that they're. <laughs> 
you don't have to chew them. You just they just slide right down. They're like a like a it's, slug. It's, it's like it's like a mush yeah. in, in pastry that's so greasy that it dissolves it in the mouth and turns yeah. the paper see through. Yeah, the bag is see through. Yeah, <laughs> my yeah, and my my calcium score was still zero. We better get it. So your heart, your heart health is super, super healthy, but you, you don't eat, you don't eat, you don't eat so much shit, right? And no, do. I don't. It's I couldn't, I couldn't. Like I thought, I tried at times, but like I said, it was just, uh, it was too difficult because it just slowed me down and kind of ruined my day, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah. that's something actually to remember when, also when dieting, um, is that you know those. <laughs> those um like poor choices of meals when your stomach's relatively small it's not just that they can put you into a calorie deficit or you know set you back a day um but you know they will they will ruin your 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 gi um they will give you stomach discomfort and all that kind of stuff in in much probably in whereas in the off season you tolerate those foods quite well when you become quite restrictive and all of a sudden you introduce something relatively inflammatory um relatively calorific um it will do exactly what you've just described um and uh i I personally think that digestive inflammation is not conducive to optimal fat loss no no well and it's also not conducive to the way that you look it doesn't matter if you know you can you yeah. could be in a calorie deficit, but if you're eating garbage and you are holding inflammation, then you know you're not gonna you're you're definitely not gonna look the way that you want. I know there are some still. I don't think that that's pushed as much as it used to be, you know. But um, there's probably still some people out there that push that pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think there's a lot of um, as we talked about with the social media and everything. There's a lot of like um these uh it, they use the term refeed uh etc but they you know they, they're heading off for you know a junk food meal and i think that probably does contribute and it, you know it gives them the fullness or whatever that they're looking for but i think that does contribute to um that really dry nasty conditioning you know not being present on the stage um you know for those individuals i think the guys get really dry and hard they don't refeed on crap no you're absolutely fucking miserable and you're gonna look good mm. <laughs> there's, my, <laughs> there's my tip of the day but no seriously yeah i agree i think the from that inflammatory standpoint same thing with same thing with loading like yeah there's some people that do the whole shit loading and all that jazz. But, and that's another thing is heck I'm hesitant to do that with anyone half the time. Cause it's like, well, what if it just sets them off, you know, and they, and they start binging. Well, yeah, man. it's not good, but that was a good discussion. Uh, yeah. I think there was some good stuff in there, hopefully. And uh, I think it also shows that we're, we all experience a lot of people, not everyone, but most people experience those things and it's okay. Yeah. Can we have a one final group share? Um, we've all had clients, so it's just, it's private, not naming any clients or anything like that. What is the single most impressive binge 
that one of your clients has had? Oh, I can, I have an easy one. I had somebody end up in the hospital. Hospital. Yeah, get their stomach pumped. It was actually, and I'm sure she doesn't listen and no one would know who she was anyhow. But like I said, I think she's doing much better now. Um, yeah. But it was the individual that was in the, would get, got so bad to her. She was in the, the parking lot of the store. She binged herself into the hospital on raw uh, sweet potatoes. That is absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's mental. You think your yeah, you think your fucking life is bad and your day's bad. Try doing that, and you know, yeah. people tell me, people tell me it's willpower. I'm like, nope, that's yeah. nobody would willingly, nobody <laughs> would willingly binge on something like that. It's not a willpower issue. That's a fucking you know habitual and hormonal issue. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, now now you've given everybody a reason why they can binge. They just get a home stomach pump, and uh, <laughs> yeah. today an enema. We could just <laughs> no, not oh, an I'm enema, sure. Joe. You mean an emetic? I think. I hope. I don't even know. Like, I'm talking about like a pump they can put up their ass to suck out all the all the um, yeah enema. Last think- you could just. You could just bulimic. I could just make all my clients bulimic. They'll get lean. There's there's some interesting tips on um, like um, sort of private anorexic groups on how to avoid eating. And one of them was um, you put an elastic band on your wrist and every time you feel hunger, you snap the elastic band so that you start to associate pain with hunger. This is something that was used for homoerotic tendencies, wasn't it? <laughs> you probably you're gonna, see, you're gonna see me in my next prep with all these elastic bands all over my fucking yeah. arms. Yeah. <laughs> fucking melts all over me. <laughs> you know when nothing's coming because you just hear <laughs> stomach pump at the ready. Um, I had a guy who uh, he he dieted pretty well. Uh, he went off to, to France where they have their hypermarkets and they, they supersize things. And because he was on holiday, he had a, uh, a brandy or two before he went to the supermarket with his friend. And so his inhibitions were lowered. And he got pretty excited when he saw the biggest jar of Nutella he's ever seen in his life. And it was big enough that he could fit his whole hand inside the, 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 the lid of the jar, right? something like a two, three, four, five kilo jar of Nutella. And he ate the whole thing with his bare hand. What? With his hand? Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Didn't even, didn't even, didn't even make it to, to, to cutlery. Is that when, is that when you're, you know, you're sitting there covered in Nutella and you're questioning your life at that point? You're like, yeah, like yeah. you get through the whole jar and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that just I think, I think you probably yeah, I think you probably would be sort of panting, sweating, looking at what's happened, probably a fair amount of chocolate on your face and body. And um yeah. <laughs> completely <laughs> disoriented. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know why I find that so funny, but it is. It's a, it's an easy visual image, you know. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you mine. So, 
these are fresh in the mind because it was recently. I don't know if these are the worst one, but it's the one that comes first to my, my mind. So I had a client prepping for a show recently, um, an international client, and he would message me most days, um, you, you know, just to kind of touch base with me. Um, oh, this is going on today, I'm doing this or whatever, or tag me in stories on Instagram or something. And then um, I didn't hear from him for a few days. I thought, on the, oh. third, on the third day, it popped into my head and I was like, I'll check in on him. And then he didn't get back to me. I thought, this is strange. The day after he got back to me, um, uh, um, I'm really, I'm really ill, basically. Oh, what's going on? My my edema is so bad. Um, uh, I'm pressing my my fingers into my ankles, and it's staying there like almost indefinitely. I'm like, well, where's this coming? You, and you don't do that with one meal. No, he had actually gained forty four pounds in three days. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, I that might be a a post show record I, I i don't think i've heard of a guy making but this was uh, very very flat we were on like rfl territory there yeah yeah two weeks out um and he said that he, he had eaten nothing but bakery goods to the tune of maybe over 10 kilos of bakery goods in three days from the other <sighs> yeah so i don't i don't know i don't have an accurate metric <laughs> Or how true that is, but when he sent me the photos, I said you need to go to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, dude. There was there was a thread on, um, I think it was the old the uh, geared up Facebook group at one point where people were sharing most amount of weight they gained post show, and there were some on there. Holy fuck, dude, There was like there was like fifty and sixty pound gains yeah. within a couple weeks, and some people. Um, some of these individuals and there was a couple that had been in the hospital. Yeah. I'm surprised this guy didn't have some kind of renal failure because he looked awful. Looked like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the Michelin man. I don't know. If you what, know. What, do, what do you think is, what do you think is uh blood glucose peaked at? <laughs> it's probably a nice stable, like 200. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just for three he was probably his, just in and out of a carb coma his blood triglyceride his blood triglyceride level was at least like 12 times over range i just couldn't believe i could not believe my eyes there was no point of the leg in which it changed in diameter like right down to the floor there was no knee or ankle it was just like a straight line like he had trousers on Fucking like now yeah, just pure, just a block of fluid. I was like, very- Presumably you got him back in the gym doing giant sets for six hours of depletion for the next week. Straight away, put a few diazide in there, back on RFL the next day. and uh, you know, He dropped 46 pounds. I said, needless to say, he didn't do the show. He would have actually been this weekend. Um, <sighs> oh, fuck he that. just said, Joe's just like, Empty the whole Lantis pen and go train until next Tuesday. Occlude <laughs> <laughs> every body part. Just get a hold of me next week. I said, I don't want you. You can take naps intermittently, but just keep training. <laughs> just 
three rounds of Tabata sprints every, every 20 minutes. His arms were 29 inches by the following week. <laughs> well, the, the best bit was that he was saying, oh, I, think, I think I can still do the show. That's a pretty fucking serious. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, that's, that's such a shame, though. It was two, you know, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, but you know, sometimes when when you reach that mental breaking point, and you know your food food drives and everything take over and everything like that. Well, it was yeah, a I mean, lesson. The only the only thing for me there is like, why didn't it stop after one day? Right, because it, normally, once you've got to bed, that's it for a binge for most people. Right. Well, he was he was saying to me when we uh, when we were speaking about it, like. He was up all night the first night, and he was like, "It was like I was on drugs." But the weirder thing about this was that, you know, as a coach, you spot these behaviours sometimes. You know, when a client might say, "Oh, can can I have a muffin today?" Lol, just joking or something. And you know, there's an inkling of truth in there. They want permission. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then, ab- absolutely none of this from this client. I just. Uh, I found bizarre, and we'd had refeeds along the way, and they'd been fine. Um, so it was just a real surprise for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think that's something you could have anticipated. To be honest, that's that's a very very extreme response, even to a very extreme diet. Uh, to 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 go for such a prolonged period of time and gain such amount of weight. I mean, you're eating well beyond your stomach capacity for an insane amount of time. Well, a lot of that weight was just food volume because we were back down to like two two o five. Literally, well, his check-ins today. I haven't done it yet, but I bet if I looked at his weight now, he'd be under two hundred. He was up <laughs> edging on like two fifty or some shit. Like, All right. So it, could it, he get could he get on stage in two weeks? No. Because of the systemic stress and, and damage he's done, or I, I don't think actually fat accumulation within, was an issue. I th- you can t- you know when you can tell that that's enough now. You know, yeah. stress has been too much. Even the skin changes. You know, just it just doesn't look doesn't have that same pop. Just looks tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that with some of the guys in Alicante. To be honest, some of the British guys that tried to hold on diet in a year. Right. Uh, you, you're aware of some of the drug protocols that yes. they were on that was ridiculous for the class, certainly. Um, and those physiques look dead. Yes. Yeah, that was a very common thread with, with British bodybuilders this year, all using very similar amount of excessive androgens, which of course drive sympathetic tone and carry their own fatigue elsewhere. Um, let that be a lesson to people that in prep less real <laughs> genuinely is is more um in a in a prep scenario for sure um yeah yeah, yeah. because it will make you look tired and you know we have i mean tired is quite an esoteric term to use but anybody that's followed competitive bodybuilding knows knows what i mean by that um that kind of depleted uh, soft you don't get that grainy pop you know 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, been almost been. I think I've been there to be honest. Yeah, I've had it where it's almost like my abs have disappeared, right. but my body weight's been at its lowest point. Yeah, yeah. You know what but I mean? Smoothed out somehow. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right then. Well, good, good chat, that guys. Very good, very good. Um, I know that you let everybody know where they can find you in the beginning. Um, but do you want to remind everyone, pimp some stuff that you're doing and things like that, Tom? Yeah, I mean, what I was primarily, um, and I'm primarily focused on um, uh, the the competition season. Um, but I am building up my online coaching business because I uh, also have a, it's not, maybe it's not as sexy as the barn gym, I don't know. But I've got my own uh, my own private gym, um, which Joe Joe's Joe's seen some previews of and everything. So I do do a, a, a mixture of one to one work and online coaching, which is a nice balance for me. But I am I am building up that online coaching base and actually moving more away from the one to one work now, just because I find it more rewarding to work with um, a sort of a, a serious athlete type mentality. Um, via an online platform. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. That's uh, Tom, T-H-O-M dot Evans, E-V-A-N-S dot I-F-B-B. Um, that's my Instagram. Probably the easiest way to reach me. Um, I have got a website as well, which is ViennaMuscleAndFitness.com. Um, and through there, you can find things like my YouTube channel and stuff like that if you want to maybe get to know a little bit more about me and my style um, and such like. So... That's all. Um, Joe, what's the, what's, what's the Physique Collective? Ah, so this is something that... Um, so I, I have been mentoring a, a couple of my clients for a while in terms of coaching. And, and how that worked was essentially like um, video calls and then that would, that would be educational and then that led on to me referring a few clients to them to work with and then me monitoring their feedback videos and things like this. And then over time it built into me referring them um, to a, a full client list. And now they are full online coaches and the, the next step made sense for us to take it into um, a muscle mentors esque business model here. Um, so that's essentially. So, yeah. So, so down the line, you're sort of looking at, um, kind of programming, almost an education platform. So you're positioning yourself more as an educator um, than just a, a an online coach. Yeah, because when my when my client list got full, you inevitably think, "What's the next step?" So then I wanted to get Gareth full, and then I wanted to get Matt full, and blah blah blah. And now it's like, "Well, what's the next step?" Now I don't want to just keep taking on more quote unquote members of staff. I'd like to have the educational site. I'd like to begin doing seminars and stuff. And, you know, I'm very close friends with, with Luke and Callum and I've seen them do it with, with more of the biomechanics area. I'd quite like to do it with some other facets of bodybuilding, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. The next step. But, um, yeah, I've had all like new sheets made and things like this for, for my coaching clients and very posh, <laughs> um google sheets for for programming that are very not i've been meaning to do that for a long time finally invested in it um and um 
yeah man it's it's um hopefully it sounds, it sounds exciting and rewarding and fulfilling yeah thanks man it's just you have to always do something else you know um something i think I, I think if you've got a growth mindset then yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely i mean what do you do when okay i've got as many clients as i can deal with and i mean you can escalate your prices but then you know you've let's say you've escalated from the top tier and then you know what you, you, there has to be another step right <clears throat> yeah yeah anyway um austin you got anything else to say before we let this uh die no no um i think we I think we spilled the beans on all of it i uh sounds like you guys got some good stuff going on too so yeah, cool okay well thank you everybody for listening as always please do check out the sponsors below um i'll have tom's links uh, below as well so please do go and check out tom follow his content get some coaching from tom as well it comes highly recommended from myself and austin um and, yeah, thank you. see you guys next week okay